uh, we're sharing a little bit about let's bring on the rain part two. But last week we talked about bringing the rain and that, that it said in, in Joel, if you go there in chapter 2, verse 23, it says he brought the, the, former, uh, the, the, the former rain. He's going to bring the latter rain as well, that God is the one who brings the rain. But as we went through and we talked about all of those things, we said that that rain comes. And we're a generation that's a rain-making generation. We live in a dry world. Many times there are dry churches, dry homes, dry relationships, dry family. I mean, there's, just, there's, there's dryness everywhere that you go. Have you ever been somewhere and you're, you're just, all of a sudden you just walk into the, to the, to the store or you go into work and you smile and you say something nice to somebody and, and they, their eye, they just look at you like, wow, what are you? You're like, you're like an angel. Well, you're not an angel. You're just somebody who brings the light and the love and the glory of God everywhere that you go. And, and we're rainmakers. And part of that rainmaking we shared last week is through the praise as we bring praise to God. That vapors are the things in the water cycle that go on. The, the sun evaporates the, the, the water and the vapors go up and they form clouds and the clouds condense and then the clouds bring rain. And it's the natural cycle. That's the natural water cycle. Not much different than God's spiritual cycle either. As we continue to praise, as we continue to clap our hands, as we continue to jump up and down and dance and, and sing and all of those things, we're sending up vapors that are forming clouds. And those clouds in your life, God begins to bring rain through those clouds. And he begins to pour those things out. It says in Isaiah chapter 43, this is just review from last week, it said that he'll bring, he'll bring a river to your desert, that he makes a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then we said in Ezekiel and Psalms and Jeremiah 17 that basically they say the same thing, that if, that if you reside by the river, if you're planted really in the word of God, if this thing is your ultimate compass, if you're being led by the word and by the Holy Spirit, and I'm adding a little bit here or there, to what those scriptures say or combining them and taking little bits and pieces but it says you'll have life because you'll be planted by the river and ezekiel says anywhere that the river is there's life right now with all the rain going on we got a lot of life all over the place because the rivers are everywhere <laughs> so we can command them back into their banks in the natural <laughs> that's the case but we said there's there's really nine ways and nine things that you as a human being are created or things that you have that are given to you by god that you can praise him with and with your, with your voice, you can, you can sing, you can talk, you can shout. We said there are some things that aren't going to happen in your life, some victories you're not going to see, some rain that's not going to come until you learn to shout, just like the children of Israel did as they were standing in Jericho. They marched around that place seven times, and then God said, do what? Shout. He said, shout with a great shout, Psalms 47.1. says, clap your hands, all you people. But it also says, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Some things you've got to shout. You've got to shout before you see the victory, not after. We'll shout up and down when we see this victory, $100,000 as it comes in in July. But I'm shouting every day. I'm thanking God for the victory every day because it, I, I know it's already taken care of and it's done and it's sealed and it's set aside. But that means we all have to get out and do the work. You can't stop. Keep shouting, keep working, keep doing it. You know, with your hands, you can raise your hands, you can clap your hands, you can play instruments with your body, you can dance, you can stand before the Lord. You can lay prostrate before Him. We covered all of those things last week. You were created to praise God. You were created to have a relationship with Him. He loves you and He knows who you are. And that as you do those things, those are the vapors that go forth that form those clouds. And in the world today, the world needs the rain that God's going to pour out in your life. And we left the service last week with the idea that said, as God rains into your life, it's so that He can pour that river into you so that it can come out to somebody else. We said even in the hard times, Paul and Silas, they were in jail. They were in prison for doing good. But they stood up at midnight and said, come on, God. Jumped up. And even in their chains, I'm sure they gave it a little uh, Holy Ghost shuffle. But they were probably tied to the wall pretty tight. But I'm sure they were giving it one of these things. And as they did, what happened? The whole earth quaked and all their chains fell off and the doors went open and they were free to go out and do what God called them to do. 
we're going to go on and talk. And you can go back and read all of those scriptures. And you can go back and look at all those things. But there, there, there are six things that I wanted to share. And the first one was you're a rain-making generation. That's all of us. That we all have a part to play. And I see this generation as us. I don't see this generation as, you know, the, the X generation or the Y generation or the, or the baby boomers or any of those kind of things. If you're alive in this earth today, this is a special generation of people from the youngest to the oldest who are going to usher in the next coming of Jesus Christ. And, and if that's going to happen, it's going to be a part of what we're doing. We have to understand the blessings that we have being a part of this generation. And I believe not only in, in this generation in this world today, but in this church. As I went through and I was going back through these things four and five times again yesterday, it just kept hitting me. This is who we are. This is who we are at Victory Christian Center here in Lafayette, Indiana. We are a rain-making church. I mean, praise and worship is something that people come in the doors and talk about when they leave. Not because it's bad, but because it's fantastic. And because there's always something, and it's always rolling, and it's always moving, whether it's a song that somebody wrote or whether it's something that we did that week or whether it was... I mean, there's the, we are known as a place that, that praises and worships God. Of the six things, rainmaking is the first one. And on your list, I think they're all listed there somewhere. The second one is the integration generation. This generation is an integration generation. Martin Luther King said, you know, Martin Luther King Jr., he said this a long time ago, you know, back, back when he was around doing all the things that he was doing for good to, to bring equality to all the races. But as he shared this, he said, the most segregated hour in America is the worship hour. He said, he said the world is segregated for sure, but it's most segregated in the churches. That the African-Americans go to the African-American church. The white guys go to the white church. The Jews go to their church. Everybody goes to their church. Everybody is segregated for that worship hour. That's not what God said in Joel. He said he's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. That's every one of us. And in this church, we've always, we've always had, had the thought that God has given us, the vision that this would be a multi-ethnic and a multi-racial church. That it wouldn't just be a, a bunch of Caucasian folks running around here. That Purdue was on the doorstep of that river right across the street. And it's one of the largest inter, international schools in the world. See, I mean, it's just, it's just not a white issue and an African-American issue. This is an issue about all the races coming together to fulfill the things that God has put in this last day church to do. It takes each and every one of us in this place just as it takes each and every person in gifting that's in those different races and, and creeds. See, God doesn't say that it, 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 you have to be white or you have to be black or you have to be red or you have to be yellow or you have to be purple. He doesn't say that. It says, uh, the song I used to sing says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Red and yellow, black and white, we are all precious in his sight. And that today those racial walls are beginning to break down within the church. See, within the church, they're beginning to break down. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18 says that we're all, we have all different parts of the body. We have hands and eyes and feet and ears and all of those things. And if we were just one gigantic eye, it says, then where would all the tasting come from? If we were just one gigantic ear, then where would the sight come from? We all have special gifts and talents. We all have special things that God has given us. We all have a part to play. And that, that means that in this last generation church, that doesn't mean that we're just going to be a rain-making generation, but that, that we are, are looking out and making a way for and being a part of integration within the walls of the church. You can go back and make generalities and you can do all these different things. And I, and I don't mean to say that these are all the things that happen. And these are all, you know, everybody that's Caucasian looks like this or acts like this. But in general, if you look around those different races that I talked about earlier, and you look at the Caucasian places and the Caucasian churches, many times they're people with vision, and they know how to build a building, and they know how to do some stuff. But when you walk in there, I'm telling you, not here in this church, but in many churches, it's some of the driest, boringest worship you ever did have. 
I mean, you know, they got great places, they got great churches, and now many of them are becoming empty. Why? Because there ain't no rain. There's no rain in those places. The Caucasian church, the Caucasian preachers, the Caucasian pastors, the white, they, they're good about getting everybody a little fired up and doing some things. But, it, but if you don't have the worship, if you don't have the praise, if you don't have those things going along with it, you're going to struggle, and you're eventually going to become dry. And I heard people talk about this, and I've heard people share these different things. But remember, this is, you know, I mean, this is just a just generality. And if you look at the Hispanic churches and the Hispanic people, they're people with, with great family values. See, they're people, who, they're people who love each other, love their family. They'll, they'll work here in America and send all of their money home. Why? So they can, they can take care of their family, so they can bring their family here with us, Israel. So that's why 40 of them can move into an apartment together and love each other and enjoy each other and just have a great time. Nobody even cares. This more the merrier. Israel's got about 14 kids. <laughs> he's, here, he's here in the morning because they're worshiping, but he's got all of them. He's got a whole service and wave. <laughs> it's like Sunday school over there, man. They're all doing all their stuff. But think about this. What, what if all of us had that same kind of love, that same kind of honor, that same kind of respect for family? Isn't that the way church is supposed to be? So what if, we, what if we incorporate those? See, what if you bring those things in? And if you think about an African-American church, what's the first thing you think about? Worship, praise, and some preaching that's really loud, but it's usually with a Hammond B3 organ, and it's, man, it is going. It's churning, and it's all like it's about a four-hour service of praise. With words sprinkled in all the way through there. So now think about this. Just to, I'm not trying. I'm, I might offend everybody in the place before we leave. But just, I mean, I'm just talking generalities. Just generalities, all right? Just looking at different things as you go. But think about it then. I mean, if, you, if all of a sudden you've got the, and I'm not saying this is the way it all needs to go and everybody's like this, but just, just for a minute, you know, what if you had like a, the Hispanic people over like the cell groups and the home groups and the family groups? You know, and then all of a sudden you got worship in the church and praise in the church, like in the African American segment. See now, you, know, you see, you start to open up your eyes to what that could do to the body. See, we said you have to have your eyes, you have to have your ears, your mouth, your nose, your toes. You got to have all those things. Then you've got an Asian society and an Asian people who who do nothing, man. They they love to pray. At Cho's church, where they then they say, "Let's pray." Then they ring a bell because they got to say, "Stop praying, please. We have to move on." Even if they're not Christians, the Buddhists meditate constantly. See, they get pray. They get understand. They get meditate. They, they get, when you say meditate the Word of God, they understand that because they're meditating all those things. They are prayers. Now think about if they were in charge of the intercession in the church. If they were in charge of all the pray, they're, they're out there praying and doing all those things. See, that, that's, you start looking at all of these different things. Now what's going to happen? The walls are going to be knocked down in the church and all these people are going to come together. And I'm not saying that if you're an Asian, you've got to be a prayer. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, in general, think about that. Think about those gifts and think about those things. See, because they're all over the place. The Arabs get a bad rap because of all the terrorism and all the things that are happening. But they are some of the most friendly people in the world. What if they were in charge of hospitality? They'll bring you in. They give you the best coffee. They take care of you. They love you. They, they want to honor you. They want to know about you. I mean, they, they're very friendly people. See, what if they were the ones who were the ushers or they were the greeters and they're standing out there doing all that thing and they're just, they're loving everybody that comes in the door. Now see, this is an integration generation. We're a generation that's, that doesn't care about that anymore. 
I think there are so many, so many things that have happened because of war, because of situations, because of countries not agreeing, because of, of older thoughts and, and older mentalities that came down the way that said we don't like this kind of people, we don't like that kind of people. I think we've got a generation now of young people who have come up. And I, you know what? I really don't even care. I can't even tell you if they're black, red, yellow, or white. I don't even know. And I know this group that's below me, and I know this group that's under that. I, they don't care either. That hatred and that bigotry and all of those things have almost been bred out of this younger generation. Praise God. But what it's done is it's allowed us as a church to become an integration generation and bring everybody into the kingdom. The next thing is the inspiration generation. It goes on and it says, not only will he pour out his blessings on all flesh, it says that your sons and daughters shall prophesy. That there'll be inspiration in this generation. Inspiration like you've never seen. See, the world is changing so quickly and so fast. I shared with some kids from East Tip Middle School, and I told them, I just want to tell you the jobs that you're going to have in the future, the problems that you're going to solve, they don't even exist yet. So you've got to keep moving forward. Don't get, don't get pinned down in something somebody else tells you you're supposed to do. You listen to your heart, and you do what you were created to do. It may not, you may not be able to see it right now. You may not be able to hear it right now, but I'm telling you, it is coming. And you're going to have the answer to a problem that hasn't even come up yet. And when, when that happens, when that problem comes and your answer is there, think about it in your life. Spiritually, your sons and daughters will prophesy. You will know the things that God is speaking at the moment. And as that problem comes and that word comes and they hit at that point, all of a sudden it is divine intervention at the right time and the right place. That's going to be happening all over as this generation moves in inspiration. Inspiring people, but in, be inspired by God. The world is completely different. I mean, you've got to understand, a newspaper today is more information in one Monday newspaper, the JNC. It's about 18 pages now. I mean, there's hardly anything to it. But there's more information in that newspaper than somebody in the 17th century got their whole life. You are, you are bombarded by information. You are bombarded by stuff. The world is changing. 80% of all the scientists that have ever lived live right now. This is a great time to be alive because you can make a difference and you can impact the world like never before. You couldn't do some of the things we do today 10 years ago. You couldn't do some of those things 15, 20 years ago. You couldn't even think about them 30 years ago. But today you could be standing anywhere in the world and you could pick up one of these bad boys and you could pretty much talk to anybody that you want to talk to. See, the greatest books have yet to be written. The greatest songs are yet to be sung. The greatest messages are yet to be preached. See, there is, there is something that I think the world wants to tell us and, and the enemy wants to, sh to sh tell you. It, it's, it's over. We're just going to ride this thing out. You can't ride this thing out. You're supposed to be bringing the rain in these places. God's going to rain in your life so that you can bring that rain into somebody else's life. We are breaking down the walls, becoming an integrational church. And we're also being inspirational to the people that we meet. We're being inspired by God, yes. But let me tell you what, he's giving you ideas. He's giving you thoughts. We're going to pray for that at the end of the service. Be glad that you live when you do. You are, you are part of the greatest explosion of truth that there ever will be. See, this isn't just for you to get rich. This is so that the world can change. Bless my little daughter's heart. She got up on Tuesday and she shared at this lily thing. She had to go to the, to the community foundation's award ceremony and get her lily thing. And they talked about all these things. And they, they said there's these great scholarships that you can get that are still out there, the Fulbright and all these other ones that, you know, are big ones where you study in Oxford and these different places. And she was smiling and nodding along. And then when she got up there, she was supposed to say where she's going to be in five years and ten years. And she said, well, hopefully in five years, I'm participating in one of those scholarship programs that you mentioned earlier. 
And then she said, hopefully in 10 years, I'm changing the world. Go, girl! Wow, she did get something. I wasn't sure for a long time, but I thought, well, all right. Bless her heart, she's there. Why? Because she lives in that generation that doesn't know you can't. She lives, in, she lives in a world that she understands she can do anything at any time, that anything God speaks to her, any, any desire. That's why I try to tell those kids, you're going to have an idea that doesn't even have a problem yet. Just, just be patient and ask God what that idea is and how it's going to manifest itself. Why? Because sons and daughters will prophesy. That's you and me. You're somebody's son. You're somebody's daughter. It's not your kids. It's all of us in this generation. The next thing, the third one, is revelation generation. Like never before, the truths are going to be made known. Now think about it. I mean, in this church, you know, writing songs, doing all kinds of things, making videos. I mean, we're, it's inspiring people to change, to be different. Revelation. We've had great Bible-based, powerful teaching in this church for all of these years. It's only going to get better. What? Well, think about it now. You, you, we got to know what's going on. You have to know. Mark 13, 21 and 22 says, even the elect will be deceived in the last days. What's that mean? That means you've got to know some stuff. You've got to know the truth. You have to know what the Word of God says. You have, you, man, when the, when the enemy comes and he begins to lie to you, when the false prophets come and they begin to speak those things, how are you going to know? Well, that is not what the Word of God says. That is not what it means. And I know by the Holy Spirit this is not right. Why? Because I've got revelation. And then you make that thing known. See, there's a, there's a great explosion, right? People know the Word of God. People are learning the Word. The tools are there. See, the tools to teach and the tools to be taught are out there. People understand that. You can listen. You can get online. There's a, there's a gazillion messages digitally in that computer. I mean, you can find those things in iTunes and all the, You can find anything. If God's speaking to you to learn something, you can learn it. It is there now. In the past, it wasn't there now. You had to go sit in your house and wait for Kenneth Copeland to come to your house. He's in your house right now on TV, on radio, on the Internet. You can have him in your, in your world, on your iPod, 24 hours a day if that's what God said. We live in a world where revelation is going to be known to people who are around. In Daniel, in chapter 12, it says in the last days, there'll be, a, there'll be an increase in knowledge. Now, don't go get all knowledge and don't get it mixed up with the Spirit. You've got to have them mixed. I don't need a bunch of smart people walking around. <laughs> please be educated. But also be led by the Spirit, please. I don't have time to argue points and things about the third page of this particular deal. This is what God's telling me to do, man. We live in a world where you need to know how to do that. But I'm telling you, you need to know what's going on. Kids say, why do I have to go to school? So you ain't dumb. That's why. You want to know? So you ain't stupid. Flat out. So that when I talk to you, I know you can have some kind of conversation with me. <laughs> Sorry, it's 13 years of your life, but you're going to love it when you're done. It'll be a great, you know, I mean, Rachel's all excited. She spent 13 years of her life from kindergarten to 12th grade in school. She's all excited for one day. Whatever, girl. Guess what? You got four more years. That's what I told those kids at East Tip. You're graduating from 8th grade into 9th grade. Congratulations. You are the cream of the crop. It only gets harder. I said, so study. I mean, you're going to have to work at it. The way we teach is different. The way kids learn is different. I'm telling you, in the church as well as in school, you don't have to memorize anything. You've got the Internet. You can Google anything. 
You can find the answer for anything. That's why I'm telling you. That, that is part of this revelation generation. If God's putting something in your heart and, and you hear something, somebody speaks or something I say, you can go home and say, what is that? You can Google that and then all these things are going to pop up. Now, you have to use wisdom as you have to be led by the Spirit to the crazy things you get on there. But if you can filter all that out and be led by the Spirit, you're going to learn something that God wants to teach you. This is a revelation generation. You know, you can hardly even teach evolution anymore because the kids are so educated in what the truth is, creation. Rachel, man, she, she, she just, she'll fire it up. She doesn't care. My dad works here. He's down the hall. Come on, bring it on. You're not going to kick me out of school. I mean, she'll, she'll let them have it. When she was going through biology, I had to like, man, I had to rack my brain to find out who can I put her with that she won't destroy. She is, she is tough, you know? And I was thinking, oh, gosh, where are we going to put her? And so I put her with this one teacher, and I thought, I mean, it's a disaster waiting to happen. But I just have to, you know, so I kept telling him, hey, hey, now I'm just telling you, this is, this is how she is. This is who she is, man. She knows what she believes, and she's not going to put up with any, any crazy stuff. So I'm just telling you. And this guy's got a little bit of that crazy stuff. So I was thinking, this is going to be some kind of deal. And finally, by the end of the year, he said, I really appreciate it. The way that she stood up for what she believed and the way she spoke those things, especially when it came to creationism and evolution, when she began to, to question me and she began to tell me that she didn't believe that or she began to share that with other students and other people, said, that, was, that was great. Now, she did it because she was right. and She didn't want anybody else to get over on her. So she was going to tell this guy he was wrong. But in the end, he appreciated that because she was sharing the truth that she has in her heart that she knows. So you didn't, you didn't become you. You didn't, you, didn't, you didn't just become you because you were goo one day. So you became you because God created you. The next one is you go down the list, you know, if we make all those things. After you get past the, the revelation and the inspiration, the integration. The next one is the manifestation generation. If you read on there in Joel in chapter 2, it, you know, it talks about your sons and daughters will prophesy and then your old men will, will dream dreams and, and, and those things. But it, but it says, as you go, it says, and then I will show these signs or I will show these wonders, it says, depending on the, on the version of, of Bible that you're reading. I'm telling you, the, the church is kind of shut up or the church has kind of backed off the gifts of the, and the moves of the Spirit. But, it, but in this last generation, in this, this group, us... You're going to have to go forward in the gifts of the Spirit, not go backwards. Because that's the true power. That's the true anointing of God. And that's the power that changes people's lives. And here's the deal. Flakes, fakes, and spiritual fruitcakes have jacked it all up for the rest of us. They really have. It's the flakes, it's the fakes, and it's the spiritual fruitcakes. And, oh, I've seen an angel. And off they go, man. And I'm not saying you don't see angels. So don't get me wrong there. But what I am saying is they're, they're nuttier than a goose. How come we can't be just like normal people? Why do you have to be weird to be that? Well, I'm pretty darn normal. You're pretty darn normal. And I know it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 that God doles out the gifts of the Spirit. If you go to the last scripture, the last verse of that particular section on that, it says, and He doles it out or gives it out as He sees fit and as is needed in the moment. And what he's talking about, all those things in there, these are the gifts of the Spirit that have been given to the church. You make up the church with me and everybody else that's in here today. We are the church. And so he has not just given it to me as the pastor, but he's given it to you as the person sitting in this congregation who says, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. He wants to pour out in your life the gifts of the Spirit, the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, the workings of miracles, the gifts of healing. See, all of those gifts, all of those things, he wants to pour out in your life. You're not weird. You're normal. You don't have to get weird to do it either. Just open up your mouth and allow God to speak through you. 
Because this really truly, I believe, is, is, is a manifestation that God is going to bring in this last day. And I believe we'll be a part of that in this church. You'll be a part of that in your life. That what happens in this place on Sunday is going to break chains off people and set people free. But then what happens outside those doors is going to be 500 times more powerful because you're all going to be doing it out there too. Because the world needs what you got. And if you're going to hold it back and you're going to back up from it, and you're going to keep it out here and say, okay, we can do all this but that, then you're going to, have, you're going to be left and lost as the church goes forward and grows. Don't get kooky. Don't get flaky. Be grounded and founded in the Word of God. And if you are, then you'll see. See, it's like Elisha, you know, in 2 Kings in, Kings in chapter 4. It said he came up to that baby who was dead, and what did he do? He, he laid himself on that. He put his eyes on the eyes, and he put his mouth on the mouth, and he put his hands on the hands, and he laid on that baby. God's going to begin to bring his spirit into this place, into this church like never before. Why? To raise this thing up. And he said he did all that, and the baby got a little warm. Baby started getting warm. The little boy, right? And then he went out. Then he came back and he did it again. And the baby sneezed seven times and the baby was alive. That's, kind of, that's what I'm talking about. God's going to begin to put that. See, he's got, he's got it all over you. He's breathing it into you to revive you in this place so that you can be a person of manifestation in this last generation. That's, that's who we are. This church has always been about the gifts of the Spirit, always been about the Holy Spirit. Not going to stop being about that. Don't have to be weird. You've got to be right. That's what matters. The last part of this, as you go back down here and go through here, is the restoration generation. In between where it says it'll rain and in between where it talks about the fact that your sons and daughters are going to prophesy, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. In between there is the verse that says 225, Sandy, if you can put that up. It's the one that says, I'm going to restore to you all of the things. I'm going to restore to you all of the years that all of these worms and all of these destructive forces have taken away and have eaten in your life. It says, I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. My great army which I sent among you. He's going to restore all of those things in your life. He's going to use you to bring that restoration in other people's lives. That we're a restoration generation. You know, it says in Matthew, in, in chapter 20, it's, it's, it, it's, it's this idea that says, you know, you work for 11 hours, you work for 8 hours, you work for 6 hours, you work for 2 hours, you all get paid the same. Too many people in the body of Christ now have been having their years stolen from them, and they feel like because they didn't do anything the last 10 or 15 years, or the last 5 years, or the last 20 years, that they can't do anything in this last day army. It says in the end that the master came and he paid the guy that paid 30, he paid the guy that paid 20 years, he paid the guy that paid 5 years, he paid the guy that paid 2 years, he paid them all the same. Now, they were hours, not years, but they... See, he paid them all the same. And then they started getting a little cranky, the ones who'd worked a long time. said, well, what about these people over here? Why are, they getting all, why are they getting the same as me? And he said, you agreed to it. And he said, don't, don't bust my chops for my generosity. He says, what does it matter to you if I'm generous? Get involved. Get started. Get going now. Get to work. Hey, there's still another hour left in the work day. Get to work. You ever do that? You ever stay home sick? Then half the day, you don't, then you're like, oh, I should have gone. No, I shouldn't have gone. No, I should have gone. And then you, just, you change and you go to work. Why? There's things to do. I've got to do it. There's things to do. This is a restoration generation. He wants to bring restoration in your life. Let him. Your rod will bud. It says in Numbers in chapter 17, they were bringing the rods, right? They brought Aaron's rod. And what did they do with the rods? They set them in the, in the, next to the Ark of the Covenant. And they set Aaron's rod there. And see, a lot of the things that you've been through in your life may have, may have chopped off the life. You may, you may feel like you're, just, you're past your age, you're past your prime, you're past your place. There's nothing that's going to happen. 
But it says, Now it came to pass on the next day as Moses went into that tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, not only buds, but produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. This had gone from a dead stick to a living tree pouring out stuff. 24 hours in God's presence. You see what that will do in your life. See, part of this last day generation, people are going to come into church, they're going to look like a stick, they're going to leave like a flower. Huh? I'd, I'd smile because that's you. That's me. I'm not just talking about somebody that's not here today. Get rid of the sticks. Become flowers. See, it says His presence will do that. In the, in the presence of the Lord, 24 hours, that stick sat there. They came in the next day and it had all these almonds on it. That's bad news for me because I think I'm allergic to almonds. But I'm going to go with something, you know, like maybe it's prunes or something. I, you know, I mean, some grapes, something I like. Not prunes. That'd be bad news. What's that one of those things I like? Plums. They're kind of like prunes. Sorry. Uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's another restoration issue, I guess. But <laughs> but come on. Your stick's got to have some fruit. And we talked about that. We've been talking about it since last year sometime. When you abide in the vine, see, he grafts you back in. He can take that dead stick. He can graft it back into his vine. And then through that vine, through you, then comes the fruit. You can be a stick all day long and try to have almonds. You can roll around in an almond field all day long as a dead stick. You're not going to have almonds stick to you. But you come into the kingdom. You come into the kingdom. You come into the presence of God. You spend time with him. He will begin to make your stick sprout. You'll begin to see those blossoms and those buds and those almonds come forth in your life. That's part of the stuff that makes you right. This isn't just a one-day deal. This is a life. This is a, you're, you're part of this generation, so you're going to live it every day. You're not going to get to 52 and then you're going to be in it. You're not going to get to 36 and be out of it. You're not going to get to 75. and then It doesn't work that way. Every day that you live with God, He wants to do this in your life. Some of you are going to be in here so big, we have to open up a flower shop in your life. Because you're going to have so many flowers, you won't know what to do with it. Give them away! Everybody loves to get flowers. See, it's not about what... See, everybody thinks it's all about this stuff that the devil stole. You know, we're talking about restoration. And it says that, you know, he's got to repay all that to you. That's true. Quit focusing on what he stole and focus on what you got left. See, what we've done in this world, and as, we, as we, uh, good things have happened, we've broken down walls of integration. We've, we've done some things in this world as we've gotten younger with that next generation. We know the things that we did wrong, and we tried to fix it in that next group, and you know, that, that helps. But one of the things that we did that really messed it up was we, we created this generation that, that has all these problems, and it's somebody else's fault. We've created this generation that's only focused on the things that they don't have and not worried about the things that they do have. Because of all that we have many times, you know, they forget about the fact that they do wear the nicest shoes. <laughs> they do have the newest toy. They do have the newest video game. See, they, they, don't, even have, they don't even have a sense of that. All they want is the, the things they don't have. They don't focus on the things that they do have. And if God's going to restore something in your life, you can't be looking at the things you don't have. You have to be concerned and thinking about the things that you do have, the things that he has given you, and the things that he's about to change. Because God does something with nothing, but he takes your nothing and he makes something of it. Fed 5,000 people with five barley loaves and a couple fish. He took somebody's nothing and he made something out of it. So you come to God with what you have. You come to God with what you've got. Don't come to God and tell him all the things you don't have. 
There's a time and there's a place, and I believe there's a season in your life where you can stand and you can reclaim and you can fight that fight spiritually in your life. But when you come to God and you're asking Him to do something in your life, you need to come to God with what you have and say, this is what I got, bless it, Father, so that I can go forth and prosper. It says in Daniel, it says that the lion, you know, and there's a lion and a sheep and a shepherd. And the lion is some kind of Satan and the sheep is some kind of form of us. And the shepherd is some kind of, you know, shepherd. But it's, it's really mainly talking in this instance about God, about Jesus Christ being the great shepherd. And it says that the lion came and he devoured the lamb and it was just a couple little ears and a little foot hanging out. And that was all that was left. And at that point, you know, as a shepherd, you'd say, yeah, well, I'm not going to jack around with the lion for nothing. There's nothing there. It's over for that little lamb. He's dead. He's gone. He's, he's, he's out. If that's one of you and you've been devoured and that's what looks in your life, I've got to look at that and say, man, I don't even know if I have faith for you. But I have faith in God for you. Because it's easy to look at that situation and think, well, there ain't nothing left, man. It's just an arm. It's just, it's just like a leg hanging out, like a little ear. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> you know, a little, little sheep ear, a little leg hanging out of the mouth, and that's all there is. But it said that the great shepherd, he reached out with the stem and he struck that thing, he grabbed that, and he pulled those things out of there, and he went with the ear, and he went with the leg. Why? Because if you have an ear that you can hear and a leg that you can stand on, then God can do anything in your life, and he can bring life into that little piece that's left. See, do you have an ear to hear? Do you have a leg to stand on and trust God? See, the great shepherd can do something with that. We look at it and think, well, it's useless. My life is a mess and it's destroyed. No, it's not. you still got something left. But we all have to come back to the beginning and we all have to start over and we all have to do this. Open up our ears and hear what God says. When people come into this church and when they come to this altar, it's because they've heard the voice of God speak to them in their life. And now they come to this altar with their legs to stand on and say, I am here today hearing what you said, and I want to stand on it, and I want to believe in what you're doing. And then God does what? A restoration work in their life right there. That's what he does. So this generation is a rain-making generation. It's an integration generation. It's an inspiration generation. It's a revelation generation. It's a manifestation generation. And it's a, re and it's a restoration generation. All the shuns. But come on, that, that, is there anything, can you think of anything better? I've been thinking about this for a long time. I get excited about this. Because these are all the things that I've seen for all of these years. I mean, I just want to skip to the loo, whatever, skip to my loo. What is, no, see, that's a back to the prune problem again. It's the loo. No, skip to my loo, is that skip to the loo? I don't know, Grandma used to sing that, I don't know. But see, here's the deal. The miracle isn't in what you've lost. The miracle is in what you have left. So bring that to Him and allow Him to do that restoration miracle. Amen? Let's stand up together today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.